What's happening, folks? Welcome to Throwing Stones, brought to you by Detroit Sports Nation. Alongside Ryan Griffin, I'm Matt Basson. Excited to have you fellow Hoopers joining us, Throwing Stones, more than just talking about our Pistons. We've got the whole NBA and NCAA as well. But before we dive in, got to remind you to like and subscribe everywhere you can find us. That would be Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and of course, YouTube for our entire shows. And we come to TikTok in a minute. Thank you again for joining us. Ryan, I feel for our inaugural show. We should start with our Pistons. Only makes sense, go. right? So the boys, last year, bad year, 20 and 52. This year, 18 and 47 so far. We talked before the season started about how young this team was. Once they added Cade to the mix, we're going to have a lot of fun with a bunch of young guys trying to gel. Looking like since the All-Star break, they're starting to gel. Yeah, I mean, their last eight games, they're eight and two. Uh, their last six games, I think they uh, added Marvin Bagley into the mix. Cade's really coming along. And I know the question under here is what can we truly make of these Pistons? I feel like if you didn't think they were going to be bad at the beginning of the year, you were just uh, you were just hoping, right? Because you saw the progress that Isaiah Stewart had. You saw the progress that Sadiq Bey had. And you saw what Jeremy Grant did as a number one on a team which it was all great and promising, but that team was still the makings of the team that had the first pick in the NBA draft. Mm-hmm. So now they bring Cade Cunningham. Obviously, so much reason to be excited about that. They added Kelly Olynyk, who's kind of been in and out of the lineup this year. But it still didn't have the makings of really a playing team. You know, I was talking to some people before, just before the start of the season, about the Pistons, certainly after they drafted Cade. And they're talking about like 40 wins. And I'm like, absolutely not. You better pump the brakes. You should be looking at 2025. It looks like that's, you know, ab- about where they're going to end up. And the thing about this season is you want to look at, you know, how the young guys are performing. I think Sadiq Bay, after a rough start to the year, has, uh, you know, kind of come along, mm-hmm. especially when it's just him and Kate out there. And like when Jeremy Grant's been out of the lineup, you know, you look at Killian Hayes who we'll get to a little bit later. Most people probably want to see some more from him. And Isaiah Stewart's been up and down. But Kay's been great. So you really just want to look at, like, how the young guys are playing and not necessarily concern yourself with the uh, with the win column. Right. And, I mean, you know, this is a team, you say don't concern yourself with the win column, but since the All-Star break, where they were losing eight of nine going into it, they're five and two since. Four of those wins coming against – playoff teams some of these teams are in the play in to the playoffs so but there's still playoff teams you know so it counts uh you know this this gelling this playing together this is i just found you know we just found this out a little bit ago by doing the numbers that this bench is the sixth best bench in basketball right now averaging over 38 points a game and we just added to it with the trade that happened right before the all-star break a four-team trade the pistons were a part of bringing in what i think is a big get in marvin bagley the third you know you're talking about the number two pick from what 2018 hot product coming out of duke just never worked in sacramento he was injured that was definitely a play play of it but like after he was injured like i'm not seeing him play i'm not seeing him get any minutes since coming to detroit and he's getting his minutes i mean this kid's averaging 14 and 7 just coming off a 19 and 10 game like this is just all the up and up for this team i think yeah, and even when he was in Sacramento, he uh, he played pretty well when he got some minutes, or at least he put up numbers, right? That doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean that he's playing well. Um, sure. But he was putting up numbers, you know, close to 14 and 7. But just any time that you can take a swing on a guy like this, he's still young. 
a lot of his uh, hate has come from not just him being the number two pick, but particularly particularly him being picked ahead of Luka Doncic, who has obviously gone on to be an NBA star already. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bagley just never amounted to that. And then he had some attitude issues in Sacramento as well. There were some clips of you know him like refusing to sub into games. But Sacramento as an organization is just, you know, we might think the Pistons have it bad or at least had had it bad, you know, before this new, this Troy Weaver renaissance. Um, But, you know, I don't know that we were ever quite as bad as the Kings were because they had some good players. They just, you know, (laughs) mismanaged to to all hell. Right. And and there's still time for Marvin Batty. This kid's what, 22? Like, there's still. Can't be any older. Really young. Like, there's still plenty of time for him to join that echelon of players that he was drafted around to maybe become that stud. And if he does it here, all the better. At 22, about to be 23. His birthday is March 14th. That's what I love. Happy early birthday to Marvin Bagley. Right. Like, this team average, average age is 25 years old. It's like the eighth youngest in the NBA, and we're talking, like, points of a year between, like, eight and fourth youngest in the NBA. Like, so this is a young team that we're starting to see gel since the All-Star break. Like I said, you know, five and two. Uh, it's just part of that hope that we discussed when we were doing Sports Carnage podcast. You know, like, this is, this is starting to show some of that hope, and the biggest part of that hope was the hope that we got this year and Mr. Cade Cunningham, who is making a push for being added. I mean, he's been part of it ever since he really started playing the season, but he had to play a little bit of catch-up because he missed the first few games. But he is absolutely a part of that Rookie of the Year conversation. Rising star MVP for the All-Star break. I mean, kids go. averaging great numbers, numbers that we – numbers that he hit, Ryan. What, who, what is this list that this man has joined? There's some names on that list. Yeah, so uh, Cade Cunningham, it's it's a weirdly like specific number list. So I want to make sure. something points, two hundred something yeah. boards, two hundred something rebounds. I'm sorry, rebounds, uh, assists. Yeah, so he uh, oops, that's another one since the Pistons. <laughs> he here it is. So with 815 points, 289 rebounds, and 255 assists in 50 career games. He joins Magic Johnson, mm-hmm. Michael Jordan, Oscar mm-hmm. Robertson, Elvin Adams, Ben Simmons, and Luka Doncic as the only players to reach those numbers through 50 games in NBA history. Wait, yeah. You said Magic. You said MJ. You said yep. Luka. Yep, the big old. you LeBron. <laughs> no. Not How LeBron. is LeBron not on this? What do you miss about one? <laughs> <laughs> The number no idea, the rookie for for the Cavs, like you figured he'd be a part of this list too, but all the better that he's not. And I'm not that's not a hate on LeBron. That's just how good of a start Kate has had in his first 50 games to hit these numbers. So how is this kid not the runaway rookie of the year? Well, because he got off to a rough start, right? He's mm-hmm. uh some really like some really bad shooting performances, and he's still he's still having some bad shooting. He's, like he's still good for the occasional three or fourteen shooting game, <laughs> uh, which you know it's it's a little disconcerting. But at the start of the year, he was shooting I think like eight percent from three uh, on his first so many attempts. Uh, he was bad, man. Uh, but you have to think, you know, he didn't have really any of the preseason because he got hurt, and then he missed the first like chunk of regular season games. Mm-hmm. So when he got thrown in, he got thrown into the fire, and he was already asked to be, you know, like one of the main guys on the team. He's probably overtaking that from. Jeremy now, but even last night, you know, uh, that, that great performance that 
put him, you know, 28 points, six assist, or six rebounds and 10 assists, he still shot like 10 to 25. Right. Um, <laughs> so I think it's really just the shooting percentages. But if you take, if you compare him to last season's uh, rookie of the year, LaMelo Ball. Uh, so LaMelo last year averaged 15.7 points, 5.9 rebounds, 6.1 assists, 1.6 steals, and shot 43%. Cade this year is averaging more points at 16.5. Mm-hmm. He's averaging 0.1 less rebounds, so it's 5.9 versus 5.8. And he's averaging uh, one one less assist, basically. So six assists to five, 1.2 steals, and he's shooting 40%. Mm-hmm. So I think... Uh, I think the number, like the question that we had down there was, is Cade the best rookie this season? I think absolutely he's the best rookie. I don't think that will mean rookie of the year. I think that he should. And the other big argument is for Evan Mobley because the Cavs are the sixth seed in the East and nobody really expected that from them. Uh, But the Cavs are a team who's, they, you know, surrounded Mobley with a ton of talent. Darius Garland was an all-star. Uh, Jared Allen, I don't think he was an all-star, but he was like the biggest snub. He's played really well for them. They have Lori Markin and um, I know Colin Sexton's been hurt all year. Uh, they had Ricky Rubio, who was playing like so crazy well um, for them at the start. Like a healthy Ricky Rubio. Yeah, like honestly, like a career. Like when that kid's healthy, he can ball. Ricky Rubio. <laughs> uh, so they, they surrounded Mobley with, you know, just a, a lot of really good talent and a lot of really good pieces, and that's led to a lot of the Cavs' team success. But And Mobley's been great, but that's not necessarily like a direct reflection of, oh, because they have Mobley, you know, now they're the sixth seed. They're probably a playing team if they don't have Mobley. And if the Kiss and the Pistons don't have Cade, you know, they're the, the 15th team in the Eastern Conference. As opposed to the 14th right now? <laughs> that's right. But, no, I mean, he is behind Mobley from all the numbers I've seen recently, and he's also behind Scotty Barnes. The funny thing about Barnes and Mobley, exact same numbers right now in the season. They're both averaging 15 points, 8 rebounds, and 3 assists. I'm sure Mobley's having a few more blocks. Uh, Scotty Barnes, I mean, you know, we we had a show where we were talking about the draft, and none of us could figure out why the Raptors took this kid. We know now why the Raptors yeah. took this kid. Scotty Barnes is having a lights-out year. He's been a great fit up there in Toronto. Uh, they're both having – very good years. You look if you're just a numbers watcher, their numbers aren't as good as Cage right now. When you talk about just points, rebounds, assists, the three stats most people look at. Obviously, with Mobley being a center, you're not going to think of assists. There have been few centers that have put in pretty decent at assists, and Mobley's not bad. But like you said, for the year for Cade, 17, 6, and 5. He's 27 and 5 in his last 10 games. So he's making up some ground on Barnes and Mobley. And right behind him is Franz Bogner down in Orlando, you know, Michigan kid. He's making noise as well. You know, he's he, one thing he's got over all the other rookies, he's played every single game for Orlando this year. Something to be said for durability while putting up numbers uh, and leading Orlando to a really, really bad record, <laughs> just like Cage leading up to a really, really bad record. But it's a fun race right now for the NBA Rookie of the Year. I think it's still Mobley's right now to lose. But if Cade continues the push, he can steal that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's gonna take a surge from Cade like he's on in those last ten games that you mentioned, where he's what twenty seven and five or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, Cade Cade has six games this year of twenty five points, five assists, and five boards, and all the other rookies combined have three of those. Mm-hmm. So Cade is certainly uh, capable of putting up those performances. And I mean, if you want to look at success, not that basketball is an individual one on one game. But he's, I think he's five and one against both Barnes and Mobley this year and against like the other top five. So if you throw in Jalen Green um, and like 
Jalen Suggs in there, he's what, like seven and three or something. So when he's matched up against these other rookies in not these primetime games, right? Because a lot of these teams are bad, so they don't get prime slots. But when you get like the fans of the Pistons and like the fans of the Rockets, right? When it's Jalen Green versus Kate Cunningham or Kate Cunningham versus Scotty Barnes, Kate Cunningham versus whoever, like Cade is, you know, he's winning those matchups and he's winning those individual matchups. And that's probably not going to factor into it at all. But I, I think it does show some competitiveness where you might look at a guy like Jalen Green because, you know, he's he's more flashy than Kate Cunningham is and, you know, shows a little bit more emotion when he plays. You think like, oh, he might want it more. Uh, but, you know, Cade wants it. There was one game the other night that he was, you know, uh, he started talking a little bit. Mm-hmm. It seemed like it was pretty out of character for him. Um, but I, that's just kind of him embracing this leadership role on this team, I think. And one thing that I think has been has benefited Cade recently and has benefited uh, Franz uh, since the beginning of the year, really, is – you know, their team's letting them play all these minutes. When Cade was first coming back, he wasn't playing so many minutes because right. he, he started the season, them. right. They wanted to ease him into it a little bit. And for Franz to play every game, he's probably averaging close to 30 minutes a game because even when Orlando's getting blown out, like they're letting them get some running, mm-hmm. uh, which I think has been a big service to him uh, and has helped his campaign, although he doesn't really have a shot to win Rookie of the Year anymore. Um, I don't think. I think it's kind of a three-man race between Barnes, uh Mobley, obviously, and then and then Cage. But I think Cage. I think Cage should win it, and uh, I'll go as far on a limb to say I think he will. Because I think even if the Pistons don't continue their team success, I think we'll see a lot more games from Cade Cunningham where he's got twenty five points and you know eight assists and five rebounds or something. Hey, it's just nice having a rookie that's in the mix because last year's rookie for us, Killian Hayes, not really in the mix. Injury issues as well as some performance issues. Those issues have continued. Now, look, as far as games played-wise, Killian Hayes is still a rookie. He has not played 82 games yet of basketball in the NBA. We got a guy who's now getting comped to Bruce Brown. Now, Killian Hayes was not lighting the world on fire as an offensive threat in Europe. That just wasn't his game. He's six foot five, tall for a guard, a six foot eight wingspan, which is awesome because it makes his defense, which he's very good at, even easier for him because he's really smart at taking correct angles when he's beat to get there to disrupt the play. Defensively, he's been there. That's not been a question. Offensively, we don't know how great he can be. He has a limit that, you know, if he can start averaging 12, 13 points a game for us, that's a good start. Casey's trying to find a way to get him into the games. The latest idea is let him be the leader of the second squad. Come off the bench and run the team that way. He had one great game so far with 11 points, 12 rebounds a couple weeks, like a week or two ago. Yeah, but we haven't well, seen the continuation of that. We, we, we haven't seen him grow off of that and just show it to us a little bit more consistently. Yeah, I mean, he he needs to be more aggressive flat out. And as like a, as a fan of Killian Hayes and a fan of Michigan State, I get to watch Killian Hayes and Tyson Walker both not shoot the ball, and <laughs> it's it's beyond frustrating because with Killian, he's he's got the defense. He had Trey Young in like a torture chamber last night. It's one of the big reasons why the Pistons won the game, uh, and he balled out on offense too. I think he had eleven points or four boards and like six assists or something. Um, 
So he he plays a good all-around game. He can rebound. Uh, he can pass really well, and he can defend. It's just about getting those shots up and getting you know the confidence to when he does even when he does try to attack, try to finish through guys, try to like create contact where a lot of his drives. Um, you know, it was a problem last year. It's been a problem this year. He'll he'll go up and then he'll like float away from the contact, almost like, you know, he doesn't want to get hit, mm-hmm. which makes your uh, difficulty of making the shot go higher and your, you know, probability to like draw a foul way, <laughs> way less. So then you're not getting any points on the drive, because even if, you know, you're going hard and you and you get fouled, you can still get points on the drive. Even if you miss the shot, you just might get banged around a little bit. And, and I don't know, maybe he needs some more muscle and some more meat on his bones. So he's like, uh, you know, more so he's not as afraid of of getting hit sometimes. But I still believe in what Killian can do. I would love to see him and Cade, uh, you know, play together because I think just as like a backcourt defense, that is terrifying. <laughs> and uh, Killian, like even in Europe, he was still a good free throw shooter, and maybe I'm holding on to this like longer than I should. But he's shot like 90% on free throws in, uh, you know, in Europe or France or wherever he's playing, and usually that translates you into you know like a good three point shooter. And we haven't seen that yet, but I'm I'm still holding out hope to where if you can just get more confidence with your shot, that he can develop into like a 37, 38% three point shooter, and then it'll make defenses respect you more, and then maybe you know he'll he'll want to go to the basket more because guys will close out harder they'll fall for pump fakes things like that so for me there's still a lot with killian uh but there's also a lot to be desired because he just doesn't seem like he has that necessary mentality to develop the way you know a lot of pistons fans want him to or at least want him to because i know a lot have already turned on killian you would think this is a kid who turned pro at 16 years old in europe you know you would think he that means he's got that that drive right He's got that instinct to, you know, want to be a killer. You were 16 years old and you're like, screw this. I'm going to Europe. I'm going to go play pro ball there, get paid, and develop my game there, then come back to the NBA. And he did that. But you're the seventh overall pick. And you're being comped to a defensive first, backup guard, playing bench minutes. Now, look, the Pistons are home for a legendary bench player in Vinny Johnson. The microwave, he's right up there when you talk about Pistons lore with real Pistons fans with every other bad boy and all his the name, his names in the Raptors. So are we okay if that's what if if Killian's a defensive with a little bit of offensive version of Vinny Johnson for his career with the Pistons where he's coming off the bench and leading the second group? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, obviously Bruce Brown is the comp and Bruce Brown played here, so that's pretty easy. But if you're looking for like a high comp for Killian Hayes, you can look at Lonzo Ball, who for the first few years, you know, Lakers fans were impatient with them. I know they got LeBron and that probably accelerated the Mm -hmm. the impatience. Um, But a guy who people thought couldn't shoot, uh, you know, or just wouldn't shoot, had these bad type of field goal percentage and three-point numbers, and now he's one of the best shooters in the NBA. Um, and he's just, you know, he, he's got some more confidence to him, and it was still those same those same requisite skill sets that he had. He had the passing ability. He had the defensive ability. So if, if you're looking for, like, a glass half-full comparison for Killian Hayes, um, I would look at, you know, Lonzo's ball, Lonzo Ball's career path and see that that is a trajectory – that you know, Killian could possibly follow, and he's got plenty of time. I mean, he's only 
20 years what? old. Uh, this, you know, this year he's yeah, um, turned not, 20 this year. <laughs> yeah. You know, this year he's just not, uh, you know, not getting so many of the minutes. He's actually playing less minutes this year than last year, which is surprising. And like you said, still, he doesn't have a full season under his belt yet. He's only played 79 games total in two years. So yeah. I think next year, if he doesn't do good, I might be ready to jump off the ship. But for now, I'm still I'm still buying my house on Killian Island. I like the way you think. I like your glass half full kind of thought there because Turner Alonzo, we real happy in the D. We're going to keep that glass half full feeling, Ryan, because we got to talk about our Spartans. we got to talk about the Wolverines, the Big Ten tourney starting this week. Round one going on Wednesday, both our Spartans and other members of Detroit Sports Nation who root for the Michigan Wolverines, their Wolverines, both starting in round two. Uh, Michigan State, man, we came out smoking hot to start this year. 14-2 and at one point. We feeling great about ourselves. We popping collars, everything dandy. Cool. Second half of the year, not so much. A 6-9 and finish. We 20-11 and with the seven seed in the Big Ten tournament and got a rematch against Maryland, who we just beat to get to our 20th win by 10 points. The Michigan Wolverines, a little bit of a – they were just mediocre the whole way through. Seven and seven, you know, at the 14-game mark. They, you know, moved on. You know, they're 17 and 13, so they had a better finish than they started with, but it never never blew the doors off anybody. They're the eight seed taking on Indiana, the nine seed. We need the, we, we need something, Ryan, because the way Michigan State's been playing lately, we about to whimper out the tournament. Yeah, it's not a, a- – Michigan State doesn't do a lot of things that give you hope for uh, a deep march run, right? They don't score the ball. They turn the ball over a lot. And it doesn't seem like they can play consistent defense anymore. At the beginning of the year, it was a completely different story. Uh, But, you know, these last really two months, which is probably a better sample size than whatever we had in the first, you know, the the first month or month and a half or so, it's, it's just been really rough. And things that typical Michigan State teams can fall back on, you know, rebounding and toughness. This Michigan State team doesn't do any of that either. Uh, they don't have really a big that they can trust. I talked about Tyson Walker a little bit. Man set the brand new Michigan State record for blocks for his career. What do you mean we ain't got a big? Nope. What's Bingham to you? Oh, Bingham's a large disappointment. <laughs> I was so hyped for him for every single year he's been in Michigan State. I was like, this is his year to break out. This is his year to break out, and he just got a little bit better. And then at the start of this year, he is looking like Bill Russell. He's blocking everything that's coming to him. He's mm-hmm. uh, finishing off these, like, monstrous alley of dunks. It's like, finally. And even last game against Maryland, we saw he started, like, three or three from three or something. And it's just – it's it's not there consistently, and we don't have any other bigs certainly behind him that can – you know, that they can do anything at all. Uh, one thing uh, I'm looking at, like the bracketology here, because right now, Joe Lenardi is Michigan State as an eight seed, playing nine seed San Francisco, and he is Michigan as an 11, playing six seed LSU. And I think I would rather be a uh, 11 seed than an eight seed because even <laughs> you, in Michigan State. You don't State, want to face number one the next, no, the next game? <laughs> no, I don't want to face number one because there's absolutely no shot that Michigan State, we already saw them play Baylor. Baylor smoked their boots. The other number one right now is Gonzaga. Kansas, we saw them play Kansas. Michigan State got their boots smoked there too. And then your Arizona Wildcats. 
I I think I'd rather take 11 and take an LSU as opposed to San Francisco and see if we could, you know, sneak out a win against this number three Texas Tech or if Seattle upsets Texas Tech. Then you get a a favorable matchup to at least get to the second weekend because we need something positive. And Michigan State, uh, you know, for the last two months really hasn't given us anything to be positive about except one win. Except Purdue. Purdue. Yep. That's it. And we followed that up by getting squashed. (laughs) Yeah. It's smacked. Uh, yeah, uh, I apologize, all of us Michigan and Michigan State fans, for basketball this year. Because look, we're gonna stay positive, and we're gonna keep talking about them until their seasons run out. So you got about two more episodes of throwing stones yeah. before you ain't gonna hear about the maize yeah. and blue or green and white for a little bit. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna be a fool watching win two games in the Big Ten tournament, and I'm right. I'm right back on it. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right no, back I'm on right the there with you. Save me my seat right there on that train. <laughs> Just for them to hurt me again. Uh, that's really good. That's fantastic, Ryan, because we got to talk about a coach who hurt us a lot throughout his career. Look, we got a legend in Tom Izzo. Fantastic head coach. Love what he's done for us for 30 years almost. But when he went up against Mike Krzyzewski, he came out on the losing end of the stick Way too many times. His record is what two and twelve against Shashevsky. I think it's three because they beat him last year. Oh, okay, so three and twelve. All right, hey, all right, hey, hey, hey good job, Izzo. <laughs> but <laughs> I digress. Coach K uh, has taught a lesson, Ryan, to all of the legendary head coaches out there who are going to announce that this this year is their final year. Give your team one year's notice so that they can schedule some D2 school for your final home game and not your biggest rival in North Carolina because, God, did the Tar Heels put a damper on Coach K Knight at Cameron Indoor this weekend. Well, I saw some stat, and it's like, honestly, the craziest college basketball stat I've ever seen where North Carolina scored, what, 43 points in the last 13 minutes of the game or something? So Michigan State can't do that in 30 minutes. North Carolina does it like in 13. It's unbelievable. And as much as I wanted to feel sorry for Coach K, because you know he had he's coached almost 500 players, and I think 90 of them were or like 98 of them was run up to 100. 100 of them were there that night, right? Uh, you know, to support him, you know, every pretty much everyone that's played for him speaks very highly of him. A great man, yada yada yada. Great teacher. And I, you know, I felt bad. I felt a little bit bad for him because they were up double digits in the second half, and then they go to lose it. I was like, ah, it's a tough way to go out. Mm-hmm. And then I start hearing all this thing, all this stuff, like after the game, where oh, Duke is mad that Coach K, that uh, North Carolina didn't do more for Coach K, like on the last game. It's like, man, will you just shut up? <laughs> like, well, hold up, if you mad. Why you lose that game? And first, there's he. So he blew off Hubert Davis in in the handshake line. Mm-hmm. It was like, ah, well, you know, a guy who's up here crying about like class all the time. You, you should probably be a, l- a little bit classier than that. He's on the uh, mic after the game, telling his fans like, "Oh, this is unacceptable." Just completely throwing your team under the bus. Uh, it's I don't know, man. It's pretty unbelievable. He's such a hard guy to like, even in the slightest moment that I wanted to feel bad for him. 20 minutes of reading Twitter after the game threw all of that out the window. I'm, I'm glad Kay's gone. And not just because he'd be Michigan State, because Izzo, his last two games, is 2-0 against Coach K. So, <laughs> going on top. 
Oh, so he's a coward. He left before the good, the, the getting right. got good there. Yeah, he's, he's scared, <laughs> scared of Izzo, of Izzo's second half. Right. Well, to be fair, with this being the Coach K send-off year, all the teams knew it. And a lot of teams, when Duke came to play their last game at their rivals, Syracuse and wherever, there was something given to Coach to Coach K, whether it was a donation to his wife's charity or a actual gift. A P, Syracuse gave him a piece of – the Carrier Dome roof, they made a plaque out of it, like a picture of him and I don't know. But North Carolina didn't do a damn thing when Duke came to play its last game at Chapel Hill. That's a rivalry. And AJ and I talked about this uh, on straight shooting. 50-46 and 46 for the 96 games that Duke and North Carolina played when Krzyzewski is head coach of Duke. 50-46 and 46 is his record against North Carolina. That's a rivalry, Ryan. Like, we talk about our rivalries with Michigan and Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State. Ohio State's been beating the ever-living crap out of Michigan for the last 20 years, except for last year and a year way before that. But, like, Jesus, you go against your rival 96 times, and it's damn near a 500 record. Of course North Carolina's not going to do nothing special. They'll do something after the season. You're going to get something. I'm sure Roy Williams sent him some nice letter, even though Roy's no longer the head coach of North Carolina. But, like, I'm sure they did something. When you come in for your last game and you are that big of a rival – you should not be expecting anything. Yeah, they gave him a fat SL. That's what they gave him. <laughs> Here, take this. Take this down Tobacco Road. Well, look, I mean, we got to – this man's career, as much as we hate him here at Michigan State, fans, we, I mean, legendary career. You're talking about the second most national championships with five behind John Wooden, great John Wooden, most NCAA tournament bids all time, most Final Fours tied with Wooden all time. It just – most wins all time, obviously. Like, I mean, no matter how you slice it, this is a top five head coach, I think, in college basketball. And I think it's the top half of five. I, Me personally, I'm throwing him right behind Wooden. And yeah. He's, I mean, he's ahead of Wooden. No, I mean, there's no, there, I mean, there's no uh, question. Coach K is one of the best college coaches I mean, uh, of all time. And I mean, he coached, I think, he coached the Olympic team too. Oh, yeah. Um, he's got six not, gold medals. You know, hard to coach the Olympic team. Um, but no, certainly a great, uh, great coach of all, like think of all just the great Duke basketball players that have been in the NBA too. Um, so, you know, he got him to, he got him to Duke. He won with them at Duke and then he sent them to the NBA or a lot of them had uh, you know, excellent careers. Um, and, you know, is, is what you want in every college basketball coach, right? Like every, every, school in america if you said you can sign up for the next 30 years and you get coach k success you're taking that oh all times out of time because let me ask you a question because it's just pop mad is it is his five national championships through his career and college basketball changed at least once if not twice maybe three times throughout his career at duke versus john wooden's 10 in like a 15 year span you know throughout the 60s and into the 70s like is his five with the modern era basketball changing multiple times, one and dones change the whole game. Is that more impressive than Wooden's 10? Uh, so the one thing I would have to look up to see is like who else won during Wooden's 10, because I know the, just the, uh, the way March Madness is now, you know, uh, it's obviously one and done, but there's just way better teams who are the and eight more. seed or the nine seed, or, you know, even the 14 seed, mm -hmm. right? And back, if even if it was a 64 team tournament back when Wooden it was, was not, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure the eight seeded team would have been just so like horribly bad at basketball that it wouldn't have even been a competition. Um, 
Well, I don't know. I think Wooden's winning streak is probably still the most impressive thing I've ever seen in college basketball, where they went, what, three years without losing or two and a half years or something yeah, without 80, losing. 82 and 0, I think 81 and 0, 88 and 0, somewhere up there. I, I, off the top of my head, I can't remember, but it's yeah, right around um, there. It's a, it's, a, it's a lot of wins. It's a lot of wins. Losses. But uh, no, I'd, I'd say not only because he's been at Duke for so long. Uh, I think you're hard pressed to find, you know, another coach who would be able to do that or has a better accomplishment than probably four or five things that Coach K can point to in his career and say, I did this, 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 and this. Uh, but five over, you know, five over what, 30 years that he mm-hmm. was the head coach at Duke, um, like it's still insanely impressive because you're at one title every six years. But 10 and 15 is just, you know, that's some Bill Russell type uh, efficiency. You know, Five out of 30 years is damn impressive. You know what's more impressive? Five out of 12 years and making the NBA Finals nine times in those 12 years. In fact, it's so impressive that HBO Max decided to make a TV show based off of it. And it debuted this past Sunday, Winning Time, the story of the Showtime Los Angeles Lakers surrounded around Magic Johnson, hence the five championships in 12 years. Ryan? You know me. You know who my guy is above everybody else. And it's Irvin Magic Johnson. So you know I'm watching this show. I already watched episode one. And the man playing Irvin Magic Johnson is my least favorite person in the show so far. That's how good of a casting job I feel they did with this show. John C. Riley as Dr. Jerry Buss is a spot-on look for how Jerry Buss looked in the 70s and 80s. Jason Clark playing a very grumpy Mr. Logo himself, Gary West, is perfect. The man they got for Cap, for Magic's dad. It's I'm all on board. I'm all on board with this new show, Winning Time. Yeah, I mean, this uh, he did a good, such a good job playing Jerry West. I hate the real Jerry West, but <laughs> before I watched it, because I, I I didn't know he was out there, you know, giving it up like that. Mm. Uh, so I saw that, and I was like, "Ooh, damn, Jerry." Yeah, that, that surprised me. I, I love how they called it out too. When 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 you know when John C. Riley introduces him, he's like, "That's Jerry West, the nicest guy in the league." For everyone who doesn't know him, <laughs> that man apparently real angry that they're trying to draft Magic Johnson because they already have Norm Nixon. Norm Nixon. Hey, uh, Norm Nixon was an All Star. You know, can't hate him too much. But I mean, you. Yeah, we, I mean, that was so now what we know now. <laughs> that was one of the more like informative things, I guess. God, I, I never knew who Magic replaced. I guess I never gave it a second thought. Mm-hmm. But it being an All Star point guard, uh, that did surprise me. And you know, they had that scene where they played at that party, uh, and you know, he, he <laughs> you know, he got Magic Johnson out of there uh, real quick, even though he was talking to him. Uh, talking to magic, magic like he was some country bumpkin, and Norm Nixon is from Georgia, and Magic Johnson <laughs> from Atlanta. So that part I I didn't understand too much. Uh, you know, just looking at it because you know it, it's you're like, oh, well, where's Norm from? Yeah, he's from Georgia. Like, what are you talking about? That Lansing is this mama the cows got to come home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I loved it though. You know, they focused a lot on uh, Jeannie Bus uh, obviously as as the daughter and as the person who owns the Lakers now. So there's always that connection. There's a, a funny Donald Sterling appearance that, uh, Jesus, that, that made me laugh. And I was certainly, you know, not expecting, um, 
and you know, all kind of the fourth wall breaking they did. I guess that'd be the only thing that I hope can kind of get out of the way. Yeah, uh, as the show progresses, I understand the need for it in the first episode, especially when you're setting everything up and you're setting up the different, you know, kind of um, the different tensions, I guess, that were going on and John C. Riley or uh, Jerry Buss explaining this is the subtext behind this. This is what he really means and things like that. But I can deal with uh, a little bit less of that. And oh, it was it was funny them playing chicken like in the negotiating table. Uh, it was uh, I enjoyed it very much, and I can't wait for for next Sunday. Honestly, if you're not if you're not an NBA historian and you're a younger fan of the of the game of basketball, you have no idea what the NBA was like going into the '80s. Look, I wasn't alive for it. I learned it later. But the NBA going into the 80s was a giant question mark of a league that was even going to be around by 1985. The league had a whole bunch of black eyes from drug use and racism. And this show is not hiding from that racism. They flat out hit you in the face with it very early on when they discuss Larry Bird and Magic Johnson when there's the lunch scene with Jack Kent Cook and Jerry Buss and Magic and his dad. Like, they don't hide from this at all. And if you don't know about this era, you might be off-put by that. But that was literally a thing that was posted in the papers of, is the league too black? And Magic and Bird, if you don't know this, you should know this as a basketball fan, literally saved the NBA. And I think a lot of that's going to get covered throughout this series. I hope it does. I can't wait to see who plays Pat Riley. I have not looked it up. Uh, There's a few actors in my mind that I'm hoping, but they're kind of bigger names, so we'll see if that actually happens. Uh, There's a few lookalikes. But, yeah, this I'm all in. This show, first episode, even if I wasn't a Magic Johnson fan as I am, just a basketball fan, I think you got to dig this show. And I understand your, your thoughts on the fourth wall. I'm kind of there as well, but as good as this first episode was, I can forgive it. Yeah, and like I said, I think they'll probably do a little bit less of that. Uh, we also got some some cookies sprinkled in. So yep. everybody that you probably you know thought about in Magic's life, like I read the Magic autobiography for uh, for a book report in eighth grade. So all the people that were popping up, I was wondering, like, are we going to see them? I'm sure you know see them at some point, but it's just like the the Leo the Leo meme where he's just pointing and staring, like, mm-hmm. oh, I know who that is. <laughs> it's a lot, a lot of well, fun. There, there's so many people to come from, you know, for those of us that know basketball, you know, they hit us with some big ones already, obviously with Cap and Magic, of course. And but I mean, we're gonna find out, you know, who's playing Kurt Rambis. We're gonna find out later on who's playing James Worthy, who's playing AC Green, Byron Scott, Michael Cooper, like. It's gonna and and then of course all the rival. Who's gonna play Michael Jordan? Who's gonna play Isaiah Thomas? Because you know the bad boys are gonna be a part of this show somehow. We already saw who's yeah. gonna play Bird, but we haven't seen the rest of the Celtics outside of showing again and again after Jerry West lost final after final after final. The Celtics just keep showing red with a damn cigar. <laughs> I was like, come on, you ain't gotta do them like that. Cap saying uh, "f you" to that kid. Oh yeah. That, <laughs> and, and, that's spot on. That, that was always Curry's problem. He was not a personable person to the fans. And that's, you know, probably why they loved Magic so much as they did, is that he was the complete opposite of that. 
What's funny though is, and then I guess we can, we can wrap it up. Um, I was watching it with my girlfriend, who not a basketball fan at all. But mm-hmm. when they got to the uh, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar scene, like when they're recreating the, the airplane, airplane movie, scene? yeah, she was like, "That's from Airplane." <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. We uh we did a little Google image share like search and it was like just the same exact yeah you know what I mean like same exact no that's perfect that's that's uh, fantastic all right well we come to the end of the show but we got to have a little fun as if we haven't had any fun whatsoever at the end of this show so Ryan we got uh the NBA Twitter of the week yeah the uh, Twitter moment of the week I don't know if I can share my screen maybe not um or if this will get put in post i guess uh but big baby davis he got caught trying to steal someone's courtside seats so the nets were playing the celtics on uh, on national tv on espn or abc i guess and they cut to big baby 2008 Celtic. yeah uh and as soon as they cut to some somebody comes up to him and they're like hey these are our seats and he doesn't protest he just like oh these are your seats oh all right my bad (laughs) and then he gets up and walks away and the best part is in the background, you can hear Kevin Durant say, hey, those ain't your seats, big dog. <laughs> and uh, I love it so much because, you know, like for a baby to sit that close, obviously he's rooting for the Celtics. Kevin Durant, certainly not shy of uh, of talking trash. So, you know, they're probably jawing at each other. You know, Tatum's giving them the business. He had 54. So I'm sure Katie was hearing all of that uh, from big baby himself. And then for baby, they called out by uh, – <laughs> <laughs> by Kevin Durant, just in that one moment where KD probably should be focusing on the game. And then he just sees, like, Big Baby moving seats, and then in his mind he's like, I got to address this. I just don't understand why he didn't have already good seats. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, you're a millionaire. Uh, I mean, you're – it was in – he ain't going to pay like, for You think – yeah, you think that would just be reserved for That you. man helped put a banner up there. You ain't got to pay for a seat up there. <laughs> Like the other funniest subtext of it is Big Baby was part of that uh the NBA dental insurance fraud scandal. Oh god where they got you know scammed out or tried to scam the NBA out of hundred million dollars or something. Yeah, well, worth of like dental work. So we can go see that under the rug and not talk about it on national TV for you. So he's still uh you know, he's still out here trying to scam in a way or trying to steal some type of way, stealing these people's seats. It's obviously, you know, a way less heinous offense than whatever he was trying to do uh, before. But there was a, a comment yeah, on Twitter where it's like, oh, yeah, he definitely did that insurance fraud stuff. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this inaugural show of Throwing Stones. Again, please follow us, Instagram, Facebook. Twitter, YouTube, we coming to TikTok, I promise you. You got thoughts and ideas for the show? Hit us up. We'd love to hear it. All the stuff's right there on your screen. For Ryan Griffin, I'm Matt Basson. Have a great night. We'll see you all again real soon.